know, as I look around the room this morning, and uh, you know, for those watching online, um, I'm aware of the fact that we come from different uh, weeks. Some, you know, it's been some of the greatest, the greatest moments of your life this week. And for others, it may very well be the very lowest moment of your week, maybe of your life. Uh, and one thing that I am confident of is that the presence of Jesus himself in our lives with us, us with him, <laughs> is everything we need. When we sing those words, he's more than enough, it's, it's true. So this morning, as you know, I'm grateful for that prayer that you listened to my voice, but I I really wish that you would hear his. No matter how old, young you are, maybe you're like, church is your routine, would you just listen in for his voice this morning? And one of the greatest ways we can do that is uh, through his words. How many of you brought your Bibles with you this morning? Hold them up. Oh man, I don't know, Saturday seems to be outpacing you guys, and they're a third the size. So, uh Keep bringing them. Why, do we, why are we saying this? What do we, somebody's put it in their things. Uh, they said, uh, you know, I had to put it in my calendar to bring my Bible. Great. Great. Do whatever it takes. Um, why do we keep saying this? What are we saying? We got to get used to what? Opening the book. We got to get used to? Opening the book and what? Opening our hearts to what's in it. We got to get used to that. Here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, opening our heart to what's in his word. And so a couple, uh, I want to say thanks to Zach Brown for speaking last week. If you didn't hear it or didn't check it out a lot, yeah. Sheesh, I don't even get that anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, really, really grateful for his, um, his message just on um, the vision of the Son of Man. And uh, he made one statement. He said, we underestimate and our world underestimates the glory of God. We, we just do. There's people like, oh, if I ever get to meet God, I'll tell him this. And Zach's like, no, you won't. You will hit the ground in terror, which is pretty much everyone's response to meeting him. And that awareness of him today, the connection with the resurrected Jesus, he's alive from the dead. Anybody who conquers death conquers it all. Man, what a great Great truth. So this morning, you know, um, as we jump in, a couple of weeks ago, I had started a two-part series on, um, on the vision and mission of our church. Anybody know what it is? It starts with the word helping. Well, we can read good. Helping people. Helping people find Christ and community. And, uh, you know, I thought it's going to be like a two-part section. And, and I'd encourage you if, you, if you, if you haven't listened to those uh, messages, please go online. We try to encapsulate everything in those two so that for years to come, we can send people back to that point and find out this is why all these people get together on Sunday mornings. This is why they gather in homes. This is why they are the church uh, together in this spot is for that, for that purpose, to help people find Christ and find community. Be like, maybe you're like, well, I'm already a Christian. You need him today. You need to pursue him today, not just, oh, it, it, was, it was a prayer I said. And so that's what we want to attempt to do. And so this morning, I kind of like going to carry on on that theme. And maybe over the next few weeks, you'll be like, does this guy only have one sermon? Like, is this just one point? I can't help it. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And I think about as Paul wrote to these letters to the New Testament, you know, he wrote the letter to the Romans. I'm pretty sure they didn't just read it once. It was that repetition, that thing of, oh, and digging a little deeper and, and seeing it more clearly as a result. And so, uh, you know, I read a, um, a quote by Leonard Ravenhill. Anybody know who Leonard Ravenhill is? Uh, there's a, there's a, I heard a woo. Any, maybe one other person. 
There's another woot. We got a few woots. Leonard Ravenhill, uh, many of you don't know him because he has passed on, but he is um, one of the, uh, the, gold, the oldie goldies uh, speakers, uh, um, ministers to the church. And Leonard Ravenhill, um, I don't know how he's on Twitter, but somebody keeps tweeting out his quotes. And so I, I, read, I read this, and he said this, I keep reading articles about how to make your church grow bigger, but I seldom find any about how to make your church go deeper. And it was really interesting to me because I had just received an email about how five steps to make your church grow bigger. I don't know if you realize this, but across North America, most churches are declining rapidly. I don't know how you didn't get the memo, but there's this, there's this thing where it's like all of these emails and articles about how to make your church grow bigger because there's this realization, what's happening to the church? But then I read this, and it was that same thing. I keep reading articles about how to make your church grow bigger, but I seldom find any about how to make your church go deeper. And I was like, you're right. I don't see that either. But that is our passion here, is that this church would be one that goes deeper, deeper. We're not here to build a crowd. I want to see people who are so passionate about the Lord Jesus every single day well, that a crowd probably can't help but come and see what's going on there. Because of you guys going out and just sharing what, what he's doing in your life each and every place. That's our mission partly this morning, so let's jump in. You know, as I think about um, the scriptures, they talk often about how our life is like a race. And if you, know, you think about a race, every race has a finish line. When you sign up to run the 100 meters, you expect it to end at 100 meters. If you're like, you don't expect it to be a marathon, Unless you're running a marathon. But whether it's meters, miles, or a marathon, you, there's an ending, there's an ending uh, f- a finish line. And you know, the, the, the scriptures and the authors, they, they compare our lives to a race. They're like, man, run the, good, uh, run the, run the race uh, and get to the, get to the end. But what I realize is every typical race has a typical end, but life does not. We don't know. We don't know when the finish line happens in our race. We thought of that. Mine could be 15 years from now. It could be 15 minutes from now. If that happens, Zach, take over, okay? <laughs> but think about, think about the truth of that. So if your race was to end today, how did you finish? How did you finish? Did you finish strong? It was like, man, I ran through, passionate about my Lord and Savior? Or was it like, oh, snap. I haven't thought about him since last Sunday. Think about that thought. You know, as I was reading yesterday in uh, 1 Corinthians, grab your Bibles and turn to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, I know we, we jumped in heavy. People were like, Mark, those were heavy sermons. You've got to start preaching some nice stuff or people aren't going to come anymore. <laughs> I just want truth. Man, and, and if, if church makes you comfortable all the way to the gates of hell, we have failed. Jump in, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's some pages. We'll get there. It's good. It's good. I love it. Love it. It says this, verse 2. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. What's that word? Faithful. Faithful. Must be faithful. As for me, Paul says, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove that I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. He says in verse 5, So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives, and then God will give to each one whatever praises do. 
you know, the church in Corinth had been arguing about who the best speakers were. Some liked Paul, some liked Apollo, some liked Peter. And they were arguing about this. And he's like, hey, don't judge people's races too soon. Don't, don't base it on what just, just what you're thinking today. Because it's the end of that, of that race that matters. And, you know, maybe, you know, as I think about this, I thought about that with us too. Like there's, we watch different races and how they start and how they finish can be very, very different. You know, there's some that start out great and then they end terribly. Think about the Titanic as it left the dock, as it left the port. It was like, here is the greatest ship on earth, only to not even make it through its first voyage. Terrible ending. The Hindenburg, this great design. We can put flammable gas in a, in a big bag and put people on it. Until what happened? It catches on fire and it ends tragically and terribly. The ending was no, the ending was no good. You know, but there's like, you think about, you know, the big name preachers. Anytime a big name preacher falls, what happens? It gets posted everywhere. I don't even need to mention names because you've probably heard of some. We think about that. It's like these people are like, wow, that guy's so amazing. No, he's not. Mere men. There's only one amazing and it is him. Don't get tempted into being like, oh, that person's something. We're, we're, we're just people. We're all just people. But we're tempted to do that and tempted to be like, oh, it's... it's. He says, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Wait till, wait till the end to see what happens. And then, you know, I, I love the other side because there's some are like, oh, you know, I'm just, I don't measure up or whatever. But the, the thing is, or my past has limited me or whatever. It doesn't matter how you start. It's how you finish. I think about some that start out terribly and end in greatness. I was talking to my kids about the Kentucky Derby this year. We were showing them the video this week of Rich Strike. Rich Strike is the horse. Starts out in last place. This horse is the worst horse to ever run the Kentucky Derby. The odds against him have never been higher against any other horse. 80 to 1. No chance. Like we said before, nobody told the horse. So, so a couple... You know, as he busts out, and you should watch the video, it's a couple minutes, but it's just so inspiring to watch as this horse decides, I don't care if nobody thinks I'm going to win, I'm just going to go for it, and just weaves his way through, and you hear the announcers are like, just the two, the two main horses, Epicenter and another one, they're just like, these are they're right there, right there, right there, wait, what, wait, what, what, Rich Strike, you know, and here comes Rich Strike and, and, and wins the race. I think it's cool when it's a horse, but man, it's way cooler when it's a person. Man, think about the, 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 the characters of Scripture like Moses. Moses did not start out all that well. I mean, how many of you would love your mom to say, hmm, I, you know, I don't know about this. I'm going to put you in a boat and see if somebody picks you up. <laughs> Trades their kid to the other team. It's like, you know, the Egyptians raised Moses. And as Moses raised there, it's like he, he, he realizes, wait a second, I don't look like everybody. I, I got, those are my people. And he's like, I'm going to go back and I want to, I want to you know, help my own countrymen. And, and then he, re- he sees one of them getting beaten up. So he kills a guy. He's like, hey, look at I saved you. And they're like, get out of here. You know, we're telling. And he's like, okay. He gets out and rushes out to the desert and hides. He's like, oh, God, I thought you had a plan for my life, but I'll just hide out in fear. Until God reaches him one day with a, with a burning bush and says, Moses, let me get your attention because that's not where you end. And what if people just judge Moses all the way along that race? Man, we miss the point. He goes on to lead the nation, and a, a large, large nation, uh, to freedom. Man, it's it, it, too soon. I think about Paul. Like if we, Paul's a guy who's like, he's so passionate about serving his God that he's willing to kill people. You know, we look at it today and think, oh, it's only other religions that do that. But here's a guy who was so passionate, like, oh, they, everybody would have wrote him off. But not him. He's like, Paul, I got to get your attention. Man, I got something for you. 
And what happens as a result? Paul goes on to like plant churches all over the known empire. People come to Christ in droves because he just I preach Christ and him crucified. And people are like, I'm in. Look, if that's, you could do that in your life. Man, I, I just want some of that in my life. I'll surrender all to follow. Man, and what, is, what does God do through the life of Paul? We're reading his letters today. Wow, you know, and he's like, hey, this is the guy who's saying, hey, don't judge people too quickly. Don't judge their race too quickly. He says, don't even judge your own. Don't even judge your own too quickly. You know, oftentimes that introspective thing, and my hope today is that God's like the same thing in this room. It's like, wake up. I'll see if there's any sleepers. (laughs) Wake up. Let me get your attention. This wasn't just about Moses and Paul. It's about you, Wyatt. It's about you, Seth. It's about you, Joe. It's about you, Derek. You, Ricky Lee. You, Zoe. It's about you. He wants to do something powerful through your life. You're not an accident. There's nothing, there's no, uh, there's no other you on the planet. He's like, man, I, I want something. I want you to run. And so what do we see in Paul's um, think, verse here in 1 Corinthians 4? He says, to those who are put in charge as a manager, they must be found faithful. Faithful. You know, the, he talks about a manager and leader. It's like the, the managers or leaders of the church. But the New Testament talks about believers. Believers being found faithful. That word faithful is actually just the, the same. It's an adjective that says the people who showed themselves to stay on the right path or who are trustworthy. And it's a, it, the, the, the noun version of it is, is just simply the word faith. It's not even faithful or faithfulness. It's just that they would have faith. Uh, it's this predominant idea that they're going to trust in God no matter what. That's what he's looking for today. Will you trust him? Will you truly trust him? And he's like, well, I, what do you mean trust? Trusting him is simply uh, looking towards him, always, in the highs and the lows of life, looking towards him, uh, you know, like a, like a child looks towards their parent, you know, when they're trying something new, it's like, oh, you know, is this okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, go, go, you're, you're good. You know, I thought about when I was a child, I remember in school, we'd have these things where we would tell stories about, you know, it's good, it's bad. I don't know if that still exists, but I think you should bring it back. You know, we tell these, these stories like, um, uh, it'd say, oh, this guy, who's, you know, fell out of a plane. Like, oh, that's bad. And like, no, no, it's okay. He had a parachute. Oh, that's good. You know, but, the, but, but no, it's bad because the parachute didn't open. Oh, oh, that's bad. No, it's good because there was a big pile of hay down at the bottom. He was fine. It's like, oh, that's good. No, no, it's bad because there's a pitchfork in the hay. Oh, oh, don't worry. He missed the pitchfork. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but he missed the hay too, right? And so you go, you go through this story. It's like, oh, okay. It's kind of like, oh, it's going to be good. I can find like the positive in everything. It's like this positive, have a positive attitude. It's going to turn out. That, that's not what this is about. This is simply that in spite of whatever you may go through, my eyes are on one constant, and that is Christ. That is Christ. And we see highlights of that in the Old Testament. Uh, the easiest verse to find. Just go all the way to the beginning of your Bible. Genesis chapter 5. I don't want you to miss this. Genesis chapter 5. We see one of these Guys, early on in Scripture, early on in the, in the uh, history of humanity, Ephesians 5, or, sorry, Genesis 5, verse 21, says this, When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. And after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had sons and daughters. And some of you are like, what? 300 years? You missed the point. The more exciting thing in that point is that he walked in close relationship with the Lord. That's what they, they, they write about this. It says in verse 23, Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God, and one day he disappeared because God took him. Like, wow, that's, uh, that's quite something. 
But here he is just walking in fellowship with the Lord. So the Lord's like, oh, we're, we're so good at this. Why don't you just come join me forever? Walking in close fellowship, living his life. And we're like, Enoch probably had a really easy life. I doubt it. I doubt it because nobody does. And yet it's said of him that no matter what, he walked in close fellowship with the Lord. And man, that's my desire for us, that we would find that place of walking in close fellowship with him. A better example maybe for us, maybe not in, not in its, not in its um, that, that this person is better than Enoch, but you get a better picture of a real life when you look at the life of Joseph and just want to kind of, it's a, if you've been to kids' church, you know, the, you know most of the story of Joseph. But Joseph, if you think about his life, and many of us, we'd say we describe life as like a wavy line. It's like this, you know, it's kind of got some highs and it's kind of got some, some lows. And be like, that's kind of like my life. And some of you are like, no, my life is more like this. It's like the, the I, I, I just did that. <laughs> You know, this week, or like, man, I was way up there, and then shortly after, I'm like, oh, it's that, that, that in the gut of my stomach. You know, the, um, you look at, you look at um, Joseph's life, and I remember as uh, being in youth group, when I was 15 years old, I remember a sermon from when I was 15, where, where the, the, the uh, youth leader, the youth speaker, he was talking about Joseph. He said, you know what, what Joseph learned? He learned one thing in his life, and that was how to be faithful. See, that's what we said about this thing, that, that it must be for a follower of Christ or a manager, he's talking about a believer, to be found faithful, full of faith. And he went on to say this, he said, you know, that Joseph's like the favorite son, and he's like, cool, faithful, faithful, faithful. And what is faithful? It's like, I got my eyes on the Lord. It's pretty easy when you're the favorite son. I would know, mom and dad, thank you. Um, <laughs> they're watching from up north. Maybe my siblings are too. <laughs> um, faithful. It's easy, faithful, my eyes are on him, faithful, faithful, faithful. But then he has these dreams, and he's like, cool, the Lord's speaking to me. Faithful, faithful, faithful. He starts telling all his brothers, and, and they're like, yeah, we don't like this. And then, you know, his, he learns, his dad says, hey, go, go and uh, see your brothers. He's obedient to his father, faithful, faithful, faithful. And then they catch him, and they toss him in a well, and he's like looking up. It's like, faithful, faithful faithful then the rope comes down oh faithful right and god he, his brothers pull him out he's like I'm, I'm rescued and they're like yeah we're selling you and as he walks that journey you know behind a camel all the way to egypt oh, faithful 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 i have no idea what's coming but faithful then he gets sold as a slave man all right Faithful, 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 faithful. Whatever he's doing, faithful. He becomes the, the head slave. And some of you are like, well, that doesn't sound that awesome. It is if you were a slave previous. Now he's head slave. And he's like, okay, faithful, faithful, faithful. It's getting a little bit better. Hey, you know, faithful. And then all of a sudden his boss's wife starts hitting on him. And he's like, faithful, faithful, faithful. You be faithful too, right? And, and she accuses him. He ends up in prison. And there he sits. Faithful, faithful, faithful. The prison guards notice him like, you get to be the head prisoner. Like, that doesn't sound great unless you were not the head prisoner. But he's like, all right, faithful, faithful, faithful. God, my eyes are on you. And a couple of his buddies have some dreams. They're like, hey, can you interpret it? I can't, but I know who can. Faithful, 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 shares it. They get rescued. He's like, hey, remember me. They're like, we will. And don't. Abandoned, left in prison. He's like, man, every day think I'm getting out. Faithful. Faithful, faithful, my eyes, God, they remain on you. Then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And these guys are like, oh, I remember somebody who can tell a dream. <gasps> oh, shoot, we forgot about that guy, remember? He's like, bring him in. 
And it says he had to, like, his beard would have been like ZZ Top or whatever, shave him up. And, like, this guy's like the grub, like, teenager. And they bring him in and, like, here, we got to clean you up and get you in there and, and, and meet Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, can you tell me the dream? And he's like, before the most powerful man in the world, basically, if you can't tell the dream, you die. And he's like, faithful, God, I trust you. If this is what I'm supposed to do, faithful, faithful, tells the dream. What happens? He becomes the second most powerful man in the most powerful nation on the planet. And then he's the same thing. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Lord, why am I here? He's like, I want you to store up food so you can save the nations. He's like, all right. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And then the moment comes where his brothers, the ones who sold him, end up right in front of him. Now he's the one with the most power. He's the one who could have their heads lopped off. And as he looks at them with that moment of like, (laughs) payback, fellas. Faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. The life I just went through because of them, I still see, God, man, I see your hand on it because I've kept my eyes on you the whole time. He forgives them. Man, what a powerful, powerful thing when he had the opportunity for revenge. And then at his death, you can read in Genesis 50, he says to his brothers, he says, soon I'm going to die, but God... Why? Because here he is, faithful, faithful, will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He'll bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give Abraham to Isaac and Jacob. Why? Because I know he's faithful. If he promised it, he will keep that promise. Sons, brothers, keep your eyes on him is what he's saying. But God, he reminds them of the the God who makes the promises and of those promises. You see these guys. You see guys like Enoch who are like, man, I'll keep my eyes on you. Joseph, faithful, I'll keep my eyes on you. They make it to the hero's wall of fame, the, the, the hall of fame of those of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. So if you can, turn to the right. Go all the way to Hebrews. It's in the, the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 22. It says this. Enoch made the list, but here's it's Joseph's part. He says, it was by faith, same word. It was by faithful, faithfulness that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones when they left he knew. He was like, man, I, I so trust God. I so trust him. Why? Because I have the whole time. And we think, wow, these are these great heroes. Guess what? It wasn't just for them. It wasn't for them. You know, if you just go back a few verses in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says this, it's impossible to please God without faith. As I think about my life, all I care about these days is that my life would please him. And as I read that, I read these words, it's impossible without faith. Without faithful, faithfulness, without faith, it's impossible. And anyone, he says, who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him. There's this tie of seeking God to this tie of being faithful. And You know, you ask people, what's faith? We could ask 50 people in this room. We might get 50 different answers. We might get, you know, a belief. Oh, it's a trust. It's a religion. It's a verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and they can quote that off, or it's a name. But what is it really? What is it really? What is this thing of, you know, the question, do you got faith? Because if we can't please God without it, do we have it? And so I want to take you through this thought. A.W. Tozer, uh, another one of those good old guys, he wrote this book called The Pursuit of God, and I was reading it again this week. He describes faith in this way, that it is simply the inner gaze 
of the, uh, of the Lord. It's the inner gaze upon Christ. That you're like, my eyes are on him. It's like, you know your eyes? If you think about this, your, your eyes see everything except for themselves. They, they, they don't see themselves. They see everything else. And it is that same thing with the inside, this continuous looking to him. So, so often we're so concerned about whether we have enough faith or do a, is my faith genuine? It's all like looking at the faith. The faith doesn't look at itself. Faith is simply the, the, the looking to, towards Christ, simply focusing on him. In the highs, faithful, faithful, faithful. I'm just looking to you. In the lows, ugh, faithful, faithful, faithful. That, it, that, it, that, that, that looking to Christ affects every area of your life. Every area of your life. I love the youth speaker that we had this week. You know, uh, he was talking about the Lord being over all. Every area of our life. That that's how it affects us in that, that posture of looking towards him. You know, at work, at home, at play, at the movies. You know, when you're on the internet, when you're with your friends, with, when you're alone. Man, my eyes are on you. There's this constant, my eyes are on you. That's what he's talking about. And why does it matter? Romans 13, if you go back a few pages, want to... Remind you of this, Romans 13, verse 11. Paul says this as well. He says, this is, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. You know, people see this, they're like, oh, he's talking about Jesus coming back soon. No, he's not. He's talking about each and every one of our lives. Time's running out. Each of us has one less day than we had yesterday. Time's running out. He says, why, this is why it's so important. So he says, wake up. Our salvation's nearer now than when we first believed. Verse 12, the night's almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. And it sounds kind of cool, right? It's like, man, that, yeah, I'd like that. He says, then, he says this, verse 13, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Paul, Paul's big on these lists. He makes lists of all of these kind of things. But, you know, as we, uh, as we read that, I think sometimes we, we're, we're tempted to sort of read it backwards uh, uh, in Scripture a little bit. We get focused on all those don'ts. And you know, the way we read it, and I, I don't know if we have the scripture of uh, the rewritten version, but we read it almost like this. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and don't do drunkenness or definitely don't do sexual promiscuity. Don't do immoral living. Don't do quarreling. Definitely don't do jealousy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we see the don't, the don't, the don't. We're like, okay, am I, am I not doing that? Am I not doing And we kind of go through the list and try and check off. But Paul's like, no, 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 that's, that's not what I mean. He's like, I'm not, I'm not asking you to see the list of all the things and like, okay, do better at that. Less swearing until there's, don't do swearing. You know, less whatever it is. Don't stop, stop, slow down a bit. He's like, that's not it at all. What does he say in verse 14? He says this, instead. He says, I'm saying in, instead of, of, of this, he says, clothe yourself with what? The presence of Jesus Christ. He's like, man, it's just one thing. Clothe yourself with his very presence. Be aware that you are with him and he is with you every moment of every day. Have your eyes on him. That's faith. That's as you live your life of faith. You're like, is it a life of faith? Are your eyes on him? 
Are your eyes on him? And he says this, and don't even let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Why? Because your mind is set on him, living in pursuit of his presence. You know, the scripture goes through all these warnings of, you know, you've left your first love or, you know, don't, uh, don't go back to the old way of life and all of these warnings. And we could say the warnings to you as well today. There's that same warning rings out for us, but, but I'd rather do the opposite. Why don't we just pursue him? Why don't for a moment we just think about the goodness of God? Think about that in your life for a minute. Think about his goodness. What about his kindness to you? What, what does that mean to you? What, did, what has it meant to you? I'd wager it's what led you to repentance in the first place. <laughs> the reason believing man, he's a, he's a good God. I want and willingly surrender my life to him. Have you thought of his rule or his authority? You know, his absolute power and his, his glory what about his beauty? Saying that, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Have you thought of that? Like, ah, I, don't, I don't know how to get a picture of that. I'd encourage you to read some of those who had pictures of him and like, he's indescribable. As we just ponder him for a minute, his perfection. When we think of the cross and his limitless affection for us, his authenticity, he's real all the time. The gospel simplicity, and as Paul says it, the one who was and is and is to come to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, who alone is wise, be honor, be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's just that simple thing of saying, I don't care about that whole list of things. I just have one thought, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to know you more. And here's my question. When's the last time you've sincerely prayed that? God, I want to know you more. The how. Let's finish with this. The how is just basically two words. Intended versus intentional. Intended versus intentional. You know, the word intended, I mean, they sound really close. You can even say intention and intentional. But the word intended or intention means planned or meant. And intentional is done on purpose, deliberate. Man, so close and yet so, so different. And we find ourselves in one of these two categories. Because here's the question. Which of those two words describes your pursuit of Christ in the past seven days? Intended or intentional? Maybe you're like, oh, I meant to do something about that. And we all have great intentions. But the intentions don't matter. It's saying to be intentional. I deliberately am going to find ways, find time to find a way to seek to know him. Oh, man, it means less Netflix. All right, no problem. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. Man, as I see it in our church, I see people who are taking those steps, taking those steps to say, you know what, God? I want to carve out time to know you. I had one young guy, one his family, he's like, hey, we started trying to have a Sabbath. For those who didn't hear about Sabbath, we're talking about 24 hours where we don't do any work and we just simply delight in the Lord in any way we can. In the, just recognizing him and the foods and flavors we eat. Not that he is that, but that he created all of that. And we're like, God, we give you glory for it. To rest and be like, oh, I can just be with you. To spend time seeking his word, just to be with him. He's like, man, my family, we're trying to do this. We're not very successful yet, but we're going to keep trying. And then, man, one of these ones just blessed me like, to, the, to no end. This young mom said, you know, we had our first Sabbath, and it was wonderful. What makes that story so amazing is this. She has seven children and one on the way. No names. But come on. 
If she can do it, what's stopping us? Right? We have these things, oh, it's, I just can't, I can't. And it's not that I just can't, it's that I just won't. And I know that's uncomfortable for us, but if we're going to say we're passionate followers of Jesus, it is going to require some intentional, deliberate, I just want to know you. I had a young kid come over to my house yesterday, and he sat in my, he says, he says Mark, he says, I went out, and I says, I'm just like, I don't know, everything was going wrong in my life. I sat down in a pile of leaves, and I was like, God, I just want to know you. He says, I didn't hear anything. He says, I, I just, that, that moment was like this realization for me. And over the next couple of days, I was like, God, I really do want to know you. I really do want to know you. Why did he come to my house? He drove to my house. He interrupted me during my preparation for this and said, we have to talk right now. <laughs> like, I'm kind of busy. He's like, no. We went out on the porch. And he began to tell me, Mark, you don't, you don't, he said, it all makes sense. He says, I never realized that I'm a sinner and that I really need Christ. But man, I've given my heart to it. It all makes sense to me. I realize who he is. What have we been doing this whole time? He, he wants to preach, change the whole church. He wants to do everything. He's like, we need to be in community. We need to be talking about Jesus wherever we are. He's like, he truly is amazing. He's like, he set me free. And I'm like, nobody had to tell him to say anything. I couldn't stop him. An hour and a half later, I'm like, seriously, you got, you got to go. But, but I'm loving it every moment. Why? Because that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. And man, I hope for you, you're sitting here, and well, that's not me, would turn into, why isn't that me? Man, God, I really want to know you. And maybe on your way home, you see a pile of leaves, and you just run out and jump in it. I don't care. <laughs> just kidding. It's not about where it happens. But God, I just want to know you. Because that's what happened to me this summer. And I pray that that would happen to each and every person here. Because what happens as a result? fruit, real fruit. I was thinking about the kids, you know, they play with that fake fruit down in kids' church, and, you know, all of a sudden we get up to old church, and we play with the fake fruit, too. We do. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more compassionate. I'm going to try really hard to love that person that I hate in my row. I, okay, too far. But don't we do that? Don't, don't we, like, I'm going to try and fix this addiction. I'm going to try and better myself. I'm going to try and be a better Christian. I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. And we try so hard looking at all these things, and it's, it's just really, really simple. It's really, really simple to stop looking there. And what happens, we find, we find fruit when those people just simply say, God, I'm just going to put my eyes on you. That's the only thing I care about. I just want to be faithful. I just want to keep my eyes on you. You do the rest. And guess what happens? Fruit. Let's close with this. The words of Paul Would you read them with me? Galatians chapter 5. You don't have to read them out loud because you probably have different versions. Galatians 5. We got a couple minutes yet for his word, yeah? Galatians 5 verse 16. Here's Paul's challenge to us. So I say, let Holy Spirit guide your lives. How does he guide your life? Well, you're looking at him. Where are you going? What are you doing? My eyes are on you. He says, then, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit will give us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other. Maybe you feel that tension. He says, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. That, that's what's happening here. It's like, oh, I intended to do. And he's like, the reason you're not able to do it is because you're trying to do it. And, and it doesn't work. He says this, verse 18, but when you're directed by the Spirit, 
You're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results or the works or the fruit are pretty clear. You'll see this in your life, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He's like, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, if that's the norm of your life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whew. That's some tough news, Paul. He says, but I'm not done. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who does it? Let's read it again. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who does it? Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're not trying. Oh, I've got to be more loving. I've got to be more kind. No, no, no. He's like, you just get your eyes on him. Just you do that. Guess what will start growing in your life? Love. Man, some joy. Joy that carries you through tough, tough times. Peace. Anybody need some of that? Don't seek it. Seek him. Peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. There it is, that word. It just grows. Self-control. He says, against this, th- these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So today to the Jesus followers here is, does that describe your life? Because if we say we're following Jesus, that should describe our lives. And sometimes we're so focused on all the fruit and saying, I'm going to deal with all that. Don't, don't try to deal with it. Let it just reveal that something isn't quite right here. The eyes are in the wrong place. And to say, Lord, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. J.C. Ryle said this, I maintain that to tell a person they're born again while they live in carelessness or sin is a dangerous delusion. Let's listen to the church clap song. Anybody know that? Church clap? Look it up. It's great. But he says, man, the church is full of members and not many conversions. Not here. Man, not here. That we would be the ones who are like, no, 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 we're the real deal. We're legit. We may not be there yet, but we are in pursuit of him. Not just accepting Jesus in our life, but totally surrendered to him. And then this morning, if you're not, you know, not a believer, it requires something of us. It's to acknowledge that we're a sinner. Oh, as hard as that is, but say, no, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not a, I'm not a person. I'm, I, I am a write-off without him. And as a sinner, I'm, man, I need a savior And I'm willing to surrender to him in exchange for forgiveness of sin and salvation. And man, joy will flood your heart. True joy will flood your life. Like I just watched this kid on my my porch. I mean, he's in his early 20s. And he was just like, just joy, exuding joy. He's like, it's the bubbling of the spring on the inside. And too many Christians, you've settled for something way less. Don't. Don't. Man, that's the thing. The first day maybe is today of looking to Christ. God, I trust you. And tomorrow I trust you. And the next day I trust you. I'm just going to keep my eyes on you and run the race of faith. How's your race? How's your race? Feel free to ask me about mine because I want nothing else than to stay on that path of looking to him, to remain faithful. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for your words of life. They, they, they really are alive. They, they cut right to the inner part of us. Lord, so many different uh, people in so many different situations this morning, and I believe your word has life for each one. Holy Spirit, 
I pray that you would do what I can't. That you'd continue to prompt people's hearts as they leave this place. Draw on them, Lord, like you're drawing on me to know you. God, would you meet them in those moments? Would you meet them in those moments? God, I pray you give us courage and obedience as we count the cost and whatever it may cost. It's nothing compared to what you paid for us. Lord, that we would gladly leave those things in pursuit of you. Lord, we pray for our world around us, the people that you care deeply about that we know don't know you. Lord, may we know you to the place where you are who overflows in our lives to them. Not religion, not church, not any of that stuff, but Jesus, would you fill us with you today as we clothe ourselves in your presence. May it just, may it just flow to those around us. God, stir up a hunger for truth and righteousness, a life of passionately living for you. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this thing called the church. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for your incredible love. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Lord, we live the rest of this day to your glory and to your honor. In your name we pray. Amen.